I have one purpose that I want to accomplish with you and in you during this sermon. One purpose. There's one thing I'm after. There's one thing that if it is accomplished by the end of the sermon, then it will have been a success in my view. There's one thing I want to establish you in, ground you in, firm you up in, so that everybody who's a member or an attender or a watcher with Cornerstone Community Church will know, will believe, will be established on this truth, and that truth is that there is no other name given under under heaven among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. That is, that there's no other way. What I want to establish you in is this, that people in other religions, no matter how nice they are, no matter what good lives they live, no matter how sincere they are about their religion, uh, God's Word tells us that unless they call on the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will not enter His kingdom. They will not have everlasting life. And this is why we must evangelize them. It's not like they can be okay, they'll find their way in in some other way, and the blood of Jesus will cover them anyhow. No, no, no. The Bible teaches us they must know about him, and they must consciously believe on him and call upon his saving name. So that's my purpose. That's what I want to accomplish. Many of you are thinking, well, Pastor Steve, that's already accomplished in me, so why do we have to hear about that today? Well, here's why. Pew Research, and they're good at statistics, they tell us that 66% of Americans say, quote, many religions lead to eternal life, end quote. 66% of Americans. Well, what about evangelical Christians? They tell us that 52% of evangelical Christians, or those who claim to be such, say, quote, many religions, religions lead to eternal life, end quote. 48% of evangelicals, self-proclaimed evangelicals say, quote, God accepts the worship of all religious people, end quote. That's why I want to convince you that we need to believe that the Bible teaches that no, they must call upon the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ or they will not be saved. There's also the mood of our day, pluralism, inclusivism, and among religions, universalism, And those things are the mood of our day. They're the air that we breathe. They're the water that we bathe in. It's all around us. It's being forced in upon us. We're told that we are haters if we're not pluralistic. We're haters if we're not um, inclusivist. We're haters if we're not universalists even. Let's talk about those things for a moment. Why are we into this? Because our culture tells us about pluralism. What is that? Pluralism argues that there are many ways to God that any way you try to God will lead you to him. All roads lead to God as long as you earnestly follow the, the religious path revealed to you. So to be clear, what they're saying is if you're a Buddhist and you earnestly follow it, you'll be fine. If you're a Hindu and you earnestly follow it, you'll be fine. If you're Islamic and you earnestly follow it, you'll be fine. If you're a Mormon, you'll be fine. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you'll be fine. If you're a Jewish person who rejects Jesus Christ, you'll be fine, just so you earnestly follow your religion. That's what pluralism says. That's all around us, and that's very much in evangelicals. It's very much in the church of Jesus Christ. Then there's inclusivism. Inclusivism says that Christ is the only, Christian inclusivism says Christ is the only Savior, but his shed blood can be of value, his provision can be of worth, it can be accessed through other religions. 
So if you're a sincere Hindu, even though you never heard of Jesus Christ, his blood will be applied to you because of your sincerity. That's what inclusivism in a religious and a Christian sense says. Then universalism teaches that all people will, through one means or another, eventually wind up in heaven. The most popular, the best known, perhaps recent version of that among evangelicals was espoused by a man who was then a pastor. His name was Rob Bell. He wrote a book book that became very widely read. He made a lot of money off of that book. And uh, the title of the book was Love Wins. And here's what his his thesis was. He said that uh, eventually uh, hell will be emptied of everybody. Because in in the greater light of that day, people will make better decisions, and one by one, they'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and transfer from hell into heaven. And eventually, everybody's going to be okay. That's Christian universalism. 48% of American evangelicals say God accepts the worship of all religious people. Well, what's the position I want for you? It is biblical exclusivism. The faith, the saving faith, once for all delivered to the saints, saving faith in Jesus Christ is exclusive of every other truth claim, of every other philosophy, of every other religion on the planet. And so our text. Can we see the text again, please, slide man? Thank you. So last week we looked at this text in light of what Paul primarily has in mind for it, and that is the unity of the the people of God, the unity of all who are truly saved. They're in one body, they're in one spirit, and so on. And there are seven ones and four alls. Uh, We looked at that last week. But this week we're looking at it in terms of the exclusivism. That is to say, if there's one body, then there's no other body. If there's one baptism, then there's no other baptism. If there's one Lord, there's no other Lord, and so on. In fact, let's take each of those terms. Let's start with the word body. So there's one body, one body of believers, one body of the people of God, one body of those who are going to heaven, one body of those whose sins are forgiven. There's one body of those who have everlasting life, and it's a very exclusive body. It's only made up of those who have placed saving faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one body. There's that other body over there. They're not part of the one body. There's that other religion, and they have a body of people and a body of beliefs over there, but they're not part of the one body. Paul teaches us that Christianity is very exclusive. There's one body. It's called the church of Jesus Christ. Either you're in it by grace through faith in Christ alone, plus nothing, or you're not in it. There's one body, and there's one spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who illumined your understanding so that you saw the saving light of Jesus Christ and called upon him the spirit of regeneration who gave you new life so that you would believe on the Lord Jesus and become a new creature in Christ, the spirit of redemption, the spirit who delivers all the saving benefits purchased by Christ on the cross to all who call upon the name of the Lord. There's one spirit. And so that religion over there has a spirit, if you will, but, but there's only one spirit, so that's not the spirit of God. And that's not the spirit of God, and that's not the spirit of God. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one call to one hope. What's the one call? It's the call, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the one call. There are other calls in the world. You know, the, the five pillars of Islam, perform them and you'll be good with God. No, no, that's not the one call. That's a false call. 
That's a call that lands in hell. That's, a, that's an evil call. There's only one call. It's the call of the gospel. It's the call of Jesus Christ. It's the call of the Word of God. And that call calls you to one hope that belongs to your call. And what's the hope? The hope is the hope of redemption, the hope of eternal life in Christ, the hope of hearing the wonderful words at the last day, well done, faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord, the hope of spending eternity with all the people of God and a new heavens and a new earth and a resurrected body. There's one hope. Any other hope, like I'm going to have a harem that I'll live with forever, any other hope is, is a foolish hope, a vain hope, a worldly hope, a false hope. There's one call, that's the gospel, to one hope, that's resurrection life on a, on a renewed earth, in a renewed universe, and, and you're the, part of that one call. There's one Lord, all right? Who is that? That is Jesus Christ. Any other Lord is not the Lord. Any other Lord is a rival Lord. Any other Lord is a false Lord. Any other Lord is a man-made Lord or a demonic Lord. Any other Lord is an evil Lord. There's only one Lord, and he is Jesus Christ. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, little L's, like rulers on the earth and so on. There are those that, that you might call, Lord. for goodness sake, why did I get into that? Sarah called Abraham Lord. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a Lord, capital L, there's only one of those. So if you find a religion with some other Lord, no, a rose is not as sweet by some other name. They give God some other name, but it's the same God. No, it's not. It's a very different God with very different truth claims, with a very different way of salvation, with a very different calling, with a very different eternal promise. There's one Lord. There's one faith. That is the faith once for all delivered to the saints. The body of Christian doctrine as found in God's word, the Old Testament and the New, there's only one faith. There's only one faith that you must place. You must place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must have the faith that includes God as Trinity, Jesus Christ as deity, and there's only one redeemer of God's elect, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's only one way of redemption, and that's through his shed blood and by grace through faith in that shed blood. So there's only one faith in Jesus Christ who suffered and died and rose on the third day. There are other faiths. They're not the one faith. There's only one faith that blesses. There's only one faith that leads to heaven. There's only one faith that makes you right with God. The others are false faiths, giving you false hopes, leading you away from God, leading you away from heaven. There's only one faith. Other faiths are not the one faith. Islam is not the one faith. Hinduism is not the one faith. Buddhism is not the one faith. Shintoism is not the one faith. And name, name any other you want. Judaism, not believing in Jesus Christ, is not the one faith. There's one faith. He goes on to say, and there's one baptism. Now, in his day, in religions, there were other baptisms. I looked at other religions today. Do they have baptism? Do they have? And pretty much no. Pretty much others don't have baptisms today. At least that's what I found. But in Paul's day, like even the Jewish people had various baptisms. And they would baptize you for this, and they would baptize you for that. But Paul says, no, there's actually only one baptism, and that's Christian baptism. That's, I have believed on you, Lord Jesus, and we now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Or at the same time, there's also, same thing basically, there's spirit baptism, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit are you all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether bond or free, and you're all made to drink of one spirit. There's, there's one water baptism, there's one spirit baptism, 
and they both happen to you when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's only one baptism. If some other group is doing baptisms, but it's not in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's not the baptism. That's not the baptism that, that follows saving faith. And then he goes on to say, and there's one God. Now, that's a reference to God the Father. Earlier when he said Lord, that's a reference to God the Son. But here it's, there's one God. There's one God the Father. So the Islamic people have a God. He's not God. And the Hindu people have hundreds and thousands of gods. Not one of them is God. And the Jehovah's Witness have a God. Very different characteristics than the God of the Bible. And he's not God. There's, there's one God. And the other gods are not gods. The Hindus, by the way, have 330 million gods. Like, how would you be a Hindu and even cover all of them? How would you ever worship all of them? How would you even know about all of them? But really, that number stands. I saw it looked at in a bunch of places, and they all said, yeah, 330 million gods. Not one of them is God. In fact, if you follow Paul, 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the, the idols that the nations worship are, are demons. They're backed by demons. The Hindus must have 330 million demons behind their religion and their gods. So our text teaches us very clearly the exclusive truth claims of, of Jesus Christ and of the Word of God. There's only one body, there's one spirit, there's one call to one hope, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and he's the Father of all. All who are his people, he's their Father. He's not the father of the other people, only in the sense that he spawned them and gives them life. But in the sense of being their father savingly, he's not. And he is over all his people redeemed by Christ. And he's through all, all of creation and everything, and in all. So the Bible teaches us, our text teaches us very clearly, very firmly, very plainly of the exclusivity of saving faith in Jesus Christ. But now, Let's buttress what we learned in our text. Let's increase our understanding. Let's solidify this and root and ground ourselves in this by looking at a number of other passages. And I might have enough to last till the evening service. Oh, we don't have an evening service. Well, we might today, but no, we won't. We'll end on time, but there are lots of them. Exodus chapter 20, please. This is where God first gives the Ten Commandments. All right, the very first commandment of the Ten. Are the Ten Commandments famous? Are they prominent? Are they, well, are they an important part of the Bible? Yes, they're a very important part of the Bible. What's the first one? Here it is, Exodus 20, verses 2 and 3. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Here we go. You shall have no other gods before me. There were other gods in that day. There were gods in the Egypt they came from. They were aware of them. There were gods in the Canaan to which they are going. They'll become very aware of them. There were lots of other gods. God says, don't you have one of them. You only have me. You're loyal to me. You stick to me. You believe on me. Why? Because they are false gods. They will not lead you into heaven. They will not lead you into righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. You shall have no other gods before me. And they had other gods. He's referring to the other religions that are in your world right then. Don't have them. Don't believe them. Don't attach yourself to them because they're wrong because they do not save. 
God doesn't say, oh, they're fine as long as you're sincere. If you wind up worshiping Balaam, if you wind up worshiping Moloch, just do it with all your heart. Just be sincere, and I'll accept that, and I'll somehow apply the blood of Christ to you, even though you're not calling upon the name of the Lord. No, it does not say that. It says, don't go there. Don't believe them. Don't follow their gods. Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. What do we find? God has delivered them from slavery. They heard his voice out of the fire when he gave the law. And now Deuteronomy 4.35, to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. You see, God really wanted his people to know all those other gods are not gods. You don't call on them. You don't go to them. It won't be well with your soul for eternity if you go to one of them. You can't be part of that and sneak into heaven somehow. You can't be part of that and somehow God's going to accept it and believe you. You're fine. No, there, there is no other besides him. He repeats this a little later in the same chapter, Deuteronomy 4.39. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart. All right, that's what we want in this sermon. If, if we can get you all to lay this to your heart, if it was already there, then to lay it even more firmly in your heart, what? That the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath, there is no other. All right, what, what is unclear about that? What could be more clear about that? Anything else that says it's Lord, anything else that says it's God is not. It's false. It's man-made. It's demonic. Don't worship it. Don't go to it. Don't be a part of it. Don't let them take you captive by their vain philosophies and empty deceits. It's not God. It's not divine religion. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, the great Shema. This is another famous part of the Bible. Another famous part of the Old Testament, they call it the great Shema because it starts in Hebrew with the word Shema, which means hear. And it was so famous among the Israelites, they just called it the Shema, the hear. So here's the hear. Hear, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's no other God, there's just him. He's one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That is to say, there's one God and he demands absolute loyalty. He demands your greatest love and your deepest affections. He demands that you follow him and no other God. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, the Lord is one. Later in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Verses 13 to 15, it is the Lord your God you shall fear. Don't fear those other gods. Don't fear the the gods in Canaan. Don't fear fear the gods back in Egypt. They're false gods. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods. What were the other gods? Those were the other religions on the planet in their day, just as we have other religions on the planet in our day. Those are other gods. They're not the same God by a different name. They are other gods. Don't go after them. You shall not go after other gods. The gods of the people who are around you, are there gods of the people who are around us? There certainly are. And God is saying to us, don't go after them. Well, why not? Because you can't be a sincere one of them and somehow get in. You can't be a nice one of them and somehow get in. No. Here's why, verse 15. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. God is jealous of your loyalty. 
God is jealous of your love. God is jealous of your affection. He deserves all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. No other God. No other God. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. What will happen if I wander over to one of the other gods, one of the other religions on the planet in my day? In my day? He'll destroy you. You incur his anger. It will be kindled against you, and he'll destroy you off the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 6.13. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. This one's amazing. It's a little long. Hang with me. If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son, or your daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your friend who is as your own soul, or he's just saying, if the people in your life, and he names a bunch of representative categories, if he entices you secretly saying, let us go, and serve other gods. Let's check out Islam. Let's check out Hinduism. Let's check out Buddhism. Let's check out Judaism. Let's check out Jehovah's Witnesses. Let's check out Mormons. If one of those people in your life says, let's go and serve other gods, which neither your fathers, which neither you nor your fathers have known, some of the gods of the people who are around you, whether near you or far off from you, from the one end of the earth to the other. So any other God on the planet, any other religion on the planet, any other religion, any other faith known to man, any other doctrines on the planet, if somebody says, hey, let's go be part of that, verse 8, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him. Don't say, well, he's a nice guy, so I won't turn him in. He's a nice guy, so I won't alert the authorities. They were in a theocracy. False religion was forbidden by the government. The government will come after you because that was a theocracy. You shall not conceal him, but you shall kill him. Well, that's not nice. Well, that's not very PC. Well, that doesn't sound very inclusivistic. Well, that doesn't sound very pluralistic. No, it absolutely is not. The, the true God of the heavens of the, and the earth, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible is not the least bit pluralistic or inclusivistic. He is very exclusive, exclusivistic. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death. And afterward, the hand of all the people. Now get this. You shall stone him to death with stones. They weren't Stone Age people. They were Iron Age people. They had iron implements of destruction. But God says, no, I want you to revert back to Stone Age. It's going to be rough. It's going to be brutal to send a message to everybody else who notices. Why so bad? Why stones? Because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And all Israel shall hear and fear. That's why you revert to Stone Age. And they'll fear and never again do any such wickedness as this among you. The foolish people who say the death penalty doesn't deter crime. God says, uh, you give them the death penalty, you give it to them in a kind of a brutal way, you give it to them with stones, and when people hear that, they will fear and never again do any such wickedness as this among you. To participate, to try and draw somebody away to one of the false religions on the planet, God says is wickedness. He repeats it then, instead of 
your brother or the son of your mother or your son or your daughter or your wife or whatever, he makes it next time if a dreamer of dreams does this to you. Then he repeats it a third time and says, if, a worth, if worthless fellows do this to you and entice you to other gods. So it doesn't matter who it is on the planet and doesn't matter what other religion it is on the planet. If somebody's trying to lead you to it, in the Old Testament, they were supposed to die. Yes. Just like that. New Testament, John chapter 3, Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ teach the exclusivity of his truth claims? Let's go to a famous passage, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Famous verse, rightly so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, there's that exclusivist doctrine again, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. We love that. We preach that. We embrace that. Verse 17, to be more clear, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No, there will be a day for that. It'll be the last day, and all who are not in Christ will be condemned. But Jesus Christ didn't come for that yet. Jesus Christ came rather, well, it goes on to say, he didn't come to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He came to save. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. I came to give my life a ransom for many. So verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Lord Jesus, that's not very inclusivistic. That's not very pluralistic. That's very exclusivistic. People have to actually believe and they have to hear the name and believe in the name of the Lord Jesus or they won't be saved. Yes, that's exactly what your Savior, second person of the Holy Trinity, is teaching us here. Or again, John 3, verse 36, a little later, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son... Hindus are not obeying the sun. Buddhists aren't obeying the sun. Islamic people aren't obeying the sun. Mormons aren't obeying the sun. Jewish people who reject Christ aren't obeying the sun. Whoever does not obey the sun shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That's what Jesus Christ said. Incidentally, he spoke more about hell and more about the wrath of God than he did about love. You wouldn't know that in our day, would you? But he did. Again, Jesus, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, could that be more clear? Well, but there are people who say they're evangelicals who say, yeah, but I think sincere people in other faiths will come to the Father through the Son. They just won't know about it. No, 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 no. Jesus says, I'm the way. You only get to the Father through me. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one. How many people? No one comes to the Father except through me. Not a sincere Hindu, not an ardent Buddhist, not one. How about the apostles of the Lord Jesus? What did they teach? Let's go to a famous verse about this. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. This is Peter. He's preaching. And he says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, you Jewish people, the leaders especially, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation 
in no one else. For there is no other name. They've got to hear the name. They've got to call upon the name with biblical content behind the name. They have to know Jesus Christ. They have to know about Jesus Christ. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So somebody who hasn't heard that name and called upon that name cannot be saved, will not be saved. There's not some other stairwell. It's a sneaky little stairwell. It goes behind the fireplace and around and winds up in heaven. No, there's not a little stairwell. That reminds me of Robert Plant and his stairway to heaven. He didn't have a stairway to heaven. This is what Peter taught. This is what the apostles taught. Listen to the apostle John, John 5, verses 20 and 21. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. There are others who are false, but God has given us an understanding so we can know the true. And we are in him who is true. We're in Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God. That means every other God is a false God. There are true gods and false gods. He is the true God and eternal life. You only get eternal life in him. And then look how he closes verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols because they're false. Keep yourselves from the other religions. Keep yourselves from the other faiths. Don't get hoodwinked by them. Don't be taken captive to obedience to their teaching. No, no, no. Keep yourself from idols. He is the true God and everlasting life. You want everlasting life. You must go to the true God, the Father, in the name of God, the Son, in the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And that way you can be saved. So what are we seeing? The Bible, Christianity, biblical Christianity is not pluralistic, is not, it is not inclusivistic, it is completely exclusive. It excludes every other faith, every other God, every other religion on the planet. The Bible teaches that only those who personally, consciously, explicitly, and singularly confess Jesus Christ, the one of the Bible, as Lord can possess eternal life. Christianity is the only way to God. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Salvation through his shed blood is the only way to be made right with God. The Apostle Paul really zeroes in on this in Romans chapter 10. Let's go there. Romans chapter 10. And here Paul's speaking about the Jewish people of his day. He was Jewish. He converted to become a follower of Jesus Christ. What do you think, Paul? What do you think about the Jewish people of your day? How about the very, very, very religious ones? Like Judaism came from God. Judaism was the truth as far as it had been revealed to the day of Jesus Christ. Then there's more truth revealed. But this had been a thing from God. Surely if there's any people on the planet who by being sincere can get into heaven, it would be the Jewish people. What does Paul teach us about their standing before God outside of Christ? Romans 10, starting in verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. All right, they're not saved. They're not saved from their sins. They're not saved from judgment. 
They're not saved from the wrath of God. They're not saved from hell. If anybody on the planet has a chance at getting in out of some other religion on the planet, surely it would be them. But Paul says, I'm praying for them because they're not saved. For I bear them witness, verse 2, that they have a zeal for God. They have a zeal for God. Surely anybody who has a zeal for God will be okay the last day. No, no. Paul says they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. Your zeal, their zeal, everybody on the planet, their zeal for God must be according to knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge of the Word of God, the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge that Jesus Christ and his prophets have now revealed, the knowledge of the Old and New Testaments. Verse 3, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God, the one that comes from God freely by calling upon the name of the Lord. They're ignorant of the righteousness purchased by Jesus Christ in his cross work for all who will turn to him and call upon him, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, seeking to establish their own. That's what everybody and every religion on the planet is doing. They're seeking to establish their own righteousness with God. I'll be right with God by performing the seven pillars of the Islamic faith. I'll be right with God by keeping the Ten Commandments. I'll be right with God by doing the Buddhist thing, which is like the sound of one hand clapping. You get it. I'll be right with God. They're, they're ignorant of the righteousness of God. They're seeking to establish their own, and they did not submit to God's righteousness. You must submit to God's righteousness or you're lost. What does it mean to submit to God's righteousness? It means you bow the knee and confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. My righteousness can't save me. My works can't deliver me. I must call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Only his shed blood can wash me. Only a washing of regeneration and a renewing of the Holy Spirit can prep me to, to a good standing in the last day. Verse 4, for Christ is the end, the telos, the goal, it's where it takes you. Christ is the end of the law. The Jewish people don't get this. They think my obedience pleasing God is the end of the law. No, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Wow. If any group on the planet could ever possibly get in, apart from consciously, personally, naming the name of Jesus Christ, it would be the Jewish people. But Paul's prayer for them is that they may be saved because they are not saved. In fact, speaking of those people some years earlier in the Bible, I don't have this verse up for you, Psalm 95.10, God says, now this is strong, it's not PC, you ready for it? Psalm 95.10, God says of Old Testament Israel, for 40 years I loathed that generation. He didn't say, aren't they wonderful? You know, they have the true faith. They're the real deal. They have a zeal for me. Aren't they amazing? And No, he said, for 40 years I loathed that generation. They err. They do not know my ways. So the Bible's message is anything but pluralism, anything but inclusivism. It is absolutely exclusivism. It is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Why does this matter? Well, it matters more than just about anything on the planet. For example, this is why we evangelize. Amen? You need to understand this or you won't seek to share your faith. If you're believing they're somehow getting in by being a nice person, you won't share your faith. If you believe, well, yeah, they're, they're a Mormon, but the, as long as they're sincere, they'll be all right in the end. You won't share your faith. But this is why we evangelize. This is why Jesus Christ tells us to evangelize, because they're lost. Look at, with me please, we'll put it up. Look at Luke 24, 46 through 47. 
And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world, Acts 1.8. Why do we send missionaries? Why do we support church planters in other nations? Why do we send people to where there's darkness and not much light? Because repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're lost. Because they aren't coming in by some other door. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. No man comes in but by me. There's no other way in. This is why we evangelize. Paul writes this back in Romans 10 again, verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? I mean, they've got to call on him or they won't be saved. Well, they have to believe on him to call on him. That's logical. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? All right, if you've never heard of him, you can't believe in him. If you don't believe in him, you won't call upon him and you'll be lost. You won't be saved. You have to hear of him. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We need to send people to go preach. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Beautiful feet, beautiful feet. Laban, Joshua, your father, whenever he comes here now and then, they're in another church, but whenever he comes here and if he likes the sermon, he lets me know in this way. He says, beautiful feet, Pastor Steve, beautiful feet. It's pretty cool the way he does that. Beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we send beautiful feet people all over the planet to preach the good news. And why do we do that? Because people must individually, consciously place saving faith in Jesus Christ. The people you live next to, the people you work with, the people you work out with, the people you recreate with, the guy you play tennis with, the other parents of the other kids on your kid's soccer team, everybody in Harford County, everybody in Cecil County, everybody in Baltimore County, that about covers where we draw from, maybe a few Pennsylvania. They all need to hear. They need to consciously place saving faith in Jesus Christ. The other gods won't save them. All the nice people in the world, the very religious people in your life, so they must be saved. So let's go back to our text. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, and I want to read them again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. All right, I'm closing. I have sought to convince you from the Word of God that people must individually consciously, intelligently call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Please receive that. Please believe that. Let's be a church that understands that, that's grounded in that, that believes that. Please don't let anybody fool you. Please don't let your own brain fool you. Please don't let niceness fool you. They must hear of the Lord Jesus and believe on him to be saved. Please don't let anybody else take you captive to some other philosophy. And so furthermore, in this closing, so please evangelize your friends. Please, your coworkers and those people I just named, the other parents of the other kids on your your kid's soccer team, 
And please don't be one of the 50% or 60% of evangelicals who say, oh, they're all right. They can get in by the other way. They can get in as long as they're sincere. All roads lead to God. It'll be okay in the last day. Or in the light of that, in the greater light of that day, they'll make better decisions. And after a little while in hell, hell becomes a Protestant purgatory in that case. They'll work their way out. No, let, let's have Cornerstone Community Church make no contributions to the 50% or 60% of evangelicals who believe such things. Let's have 100% of Cornerstone people are absolutely grounded in the fact that unless they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, they will not find everlasting life. And finally, please, you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. There's no other way for you to be right with God. There's no other way for you to be in heaven. There's no other way you want to appear, arrive at the last day, but in Jesus Christ, washed by his blood, having received the gift of everlasting life through him. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that we as a church would be solid, would be firm, that we would be men and women of conviction on this, and that it will move us to evangelize our world. We pray that you will lay people on our hearts and burden us to somehow bring them near to the gospel, to somehow reach them, to somehow get them around more of your people. Would you burden our hearts for them and for all peoples on the planet Lord Jesus. We pray for people within reach of our hearing that they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. That some of you in this room would now call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. That you would be forgiven of your sins. That you would be made right with God as a free gift. That you would receive the gift of heaven and you would not go to hell that at the last day, Jesus would look at you with love and say, well done, enter into the joy of your Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus, do it right now, call upon him, bow your knees before him, let him be your Lord and your savior. We pray for 